0: So, good morning. My name is Mike Montempo. I am the missions pastor here at Groton Bible Chapel. And I have to tell you that uh, when I first uh, was given the offer to be the missions pastor, I was pretty excited. I was, I was stoked. I mean, I jumped right in. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And then uh, earlier this year, they said, uh, Mike, uh, you have to do a sermon. <laughs> oh, boy, I should have read the job description first, huh? Well, I'm only kidding, but uh, it's kind of like our character today is Peter. Um, Peter was such a huge part of the Bible. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, how was Peter unusable? Heck, Jesus took Peter almost every that he went. But before we start, let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I ask you to, to come in, and as we sang this morning... Open up the heavens so that we can see you. God, use my words and just uh, be big in this room today that you would be at all, anything of me, throw away. And I ask you to take over. And I ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, uh, Peter was a big uh, character in the Bible. You know, a couple of weeks back, Jason said... He had a lot of ground to cover with David. Well, Peter's pretty close. According to Christianity.com, the New Testament uses Peter 178 times, Simon Peter 29 times, Simon, speaking of Peter, 17 times, Cephas nine times, and Simeon, again speaking of Peter, two times. Well, Jason, I'm not saying that there's a competition or anything, but that's 235 times. So, you know, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke list Peter as one of the very first disciples called on by Jesus to follow him, closely followed by Peter's brother, Andrew, then James, then John. He was also known to be one of the four apostles that was in Jesus' inner circle. We see an example of this in the Matthew's gospel. If you take out your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It's Matthew chapter 7, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Now, this, um, this story that I'm going to share with you is uh, commonly called the transfiguration. And I'm going to use this a couple of times through our, uh, through our discussion this morning. So I figured we'd read the whole thing today. So Matthew 17:1 through 5 says After 6 days Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured in front of them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you want, I'll set up three shelters for us. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still talking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them. And the voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In addition to this, Peter walked on water, literally walked on water. Jesus even told Peter that he would build his church on Peter's faith. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, I acknowledge that there are a number of different translations that you can have about this uh, verse, but what I chose to follow is that Jesus built his church on, B, on Peter's faith. Perhaps one of the biggest accomplishments that Peter had in the Bible, for me being a missions pastor, obviously, that Peter preached the gospel and then in one day 3,000 people came to Christ. That's a pretty good evangelist. And as I looked at the accounts of Peter, three things stood out about Jesus. First, Jesus knew Peter's potential before Peter even knew it. And he does that with us. Second, he developed Peter through a great se- a series of great experiences and big failures. And then lastly, no matter how bad you mess up, if you repent, Jesus is always there to provide forgiveness and restoration. And boy, Peter really did mess up, as we'll see in a little bit. Make no mistakes about it. When Jesus first met Peter, Peter was not ready to have Jesus build his church on him. But Jesus knew how Peter was made. And he already knew that he was going to use how he was going to use Peter. Jesus was gracious with Peter and developed him to be one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. Now, you may be thinking that, yeah, God would never use me for something as big as what he used Peter for. But we tend to minimize the things that God has us in. We tend to minimize and say, well, you know, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Or I'm just an HR guy. Or... I'm an e, a welder down at EB. Or I'm an ensign cleaning the bilge in the sub. Now, I don't know if ensigns cleans the bilge in the sub, but I hope you guys get the point, right? Don't give up on yourself. Jesus wants to take who you are, how he made you, and work through you in circumstances you'll never imagine. He sees your potential. It may not be the leader of an international church, but no matter how big or small the plan is, he wants to work through you. There are two things that you need to do, though. First, submit to his plan. And then secondly, be in the moment. Let's take a look at what Jesus saw in Peter. I started to read a little bit about Peter. My dog, Maverick, came to mind. There's Maverick up behind me. Cute boy. And as you notice, he's got two tennis balls in his mouth. So Maverick loves to play with tennis balls. You know, he'll start playing with one ball, and then pretty soon he'll get distracted by another ball over here, and then he's jumping back and forth between both balls, and then all of a sudden now he's got both balls in his mouth. Well, Peter was a a little bit like that. Peter was very passionate. He was impulsive. He would blurt out whatever popped into his head. You could say that Peter was impetuous but easily distracted. I could probably see Peter having a bunch of jobs. I took a little bit of a, of a, a side trip in and I start to think about, okay, what was Peter like before he saw Jesus? You know, he had probably had a bunch of jobs. Being from a fisherman family, I bet you he took took his uh, hand and tried to run a seafood restaurant. So there's Peter's of Galilee. (laughs) I just shout out to you Rhode Island people up here, okay? Well, Peter was, uh, he was not well-educated. And he really didn't have any experience running a restaurant, so he probably failed at that. Even though he was impetuous and wanted to get it done, he probably failed. So... Peter thinking, you know what? There's a great way that I could go out and get some money. He probably heard about this opportunity to go up to the Bering Sea and catch some crab. So here's Peter on the deadliest catch. (laughs) I think that's Peter over there, I guess. I don't know. Well, that probably didn't work out well either. So Peter went home. He ended up getting married. And then he took up the family's business. When Jesus saw Peter for the first time, Peter was working the nets with his father and his brother Andrew in a town called Capernaum, an occupation that was very lowly. It was the lowest level jobs that you could have in Israel at the time. But Jesus still saw the great potential in Peter, so much so that when Jesus first meets him, Jesus changes his name from Simeon to Cephas, or Peter, or Rock. In John one forty two, it says, and and he brought him to Jesus. That's Andrew bringing him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. He was the original rock before Dwayne Johnson was, right? (laughs) Let's take a look at uh, Peter's personality a little bit. Now, as I go through these, you may be able to relate to some of them. I certainly did. First, Peter was impulsive. When he first met Jesus, he dropped everything and followed him. When he he was with Jesus at the transfiguration, wanting Moses and Elijah and Jesus to stay for a little bit, he jumped up and said, let's build a house. And when he saw Jesus out on the water during the storm, he got out of the boat, started walking to him and he walked on water himself. You could say that when he saw something good, he jumped in and went after it. Second, Peter was prone to temper. The best example of this is when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter got upset, took out his sword, and chopped off one of the soldiers' ears. Now, you could say that this is a great example of his enthusiasm and drive going awry. I think Peter is most famous for blurting out whatever came to his mind. In Matthew 16, Jesus asks his disciples who they think he is. And Peter says, you are the holy one sent from God. But in the very next section, when Jesus is telling them that he has to sacrifice himself for them, Peter pulls him inside and says, no, Jesus, don't do that. At the transfiguration that we just just earlier talked about, in this very solemn moment when Moses and Elijah and Jesus are talking with each other, Jesus blurts out, let's build a house. But even in in the most famous example, as he was being questioned about being a follower of Jesus, in, in order to save his skin, Jesus blurts out, It denies Jesus three times. But even with those interesting personality characteristics, Jesus saw the good in him. He saw that he was outgoing, he was enthusiastic, and he was committed to Christ. And he had a natural leadership ability. With those positive characteristics, combined with the less positive developed characteristics, Jesus used Peter's faith to build his church. How about you? Have you ever thought about your personality characteristics? We all have them. Some good, some not so good. Are you a person who is caring? Are you a person who's a good listener? Are you a person who's good at getting things done? Are you a good planner or an organizer? Are you a visionary thinker? Like Peter, Jesus created you with a unique set of personality characteristics. And just like Peter, he he sees your potential before you even know it. As evidence in 1 Peter, Peter looks back in his life and says, And the God of all grace... Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you had suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Peter tells his readers that the God of grace made him suffer and go through failures to make him strong, firm, and steadfast. This is Jesus developing Peter. So, Jesus saw great potential in Peter before Peter did. But he had some work to develop him where he needed to be. So, my second point is God will develop us through a series of great experiences and failures. A.W. Tozer has a great line in his book, The Root of Righteousness, and he expounds on some of this in his sermons. He says, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. God actually rises up storms of conflict and relationships at times in order to accomplish the deeper work in our character. We we cannot love our enemies in our own strength. This is graduate-level grace. Are you willing to enter into the school? Are you willing to take this test? If you pass, you can expect to be elevated to a new level in the kingdom. For he brings us through these tests as preparations for greater use in the kingdom. You must pass the test first. I have to admit that when I read this, um, this line here, I was hoping to be the exception to the rule. However, the last couple of months, probably the last 10 months, God has just kind of loaded stuff up on my, on my plate where I can't get anything done. I've got so many things to do, and my natural leadership ability is to actually jump in, help out, and be part of what's going on. But what he's trying to develop me for, what I realized, is that he wants me to work through others. He wants me to develop others. He wants me to help them uh, be successful, and he wants me to work through, let them do the work. My, brother, my uh, buddies, Rich Heilman and Dana McNaughton, kind of go through in the same thing. See, both of them are really good contractors. Um, Rich is the type of guy who loves to get his hands on a piece of wood and really work it and, and really see the, the, the things that he's actually doing. And Dana, on the other hand, is kind of that natural leader where he sets things up and lets others do the work. Well, Rich is actually going through a little bit of a tough time physically, so he can't actually jump in and do the work, which he's just he's dreading. And then Dana, he's, uh, Rich is actually using Dana to do the work. So there's kind of like this role reversal, right? Rich is kind of the leader now and and Dana's actually doing the work. But if you talk to both of them, what they will tell you is that God is working on them for some purpose. God's taking them through a ringer that they don't know what it's for, but they know that it's God doing the work in them, that he's developing them. Well, Peter went through a bunch of tests and failures also. Some of the highest moments with Christ were immediately followed by some of the biggest failures in his time with Jesus. In Matthew 14, Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. So he jumps out and starts walking on the water himself. But pretty soon, the waves start to pick up. Just like Mav, he gets distracted, right? And then what happens? He starts to sink. And then Jesus turns to him and says you have very little faith I can just see it now as they're talking where Jesus is actually testing his disciples and asking them who do they think he is Peter standing up and saying you are the god you are you are the holy one sent of sent of uh, god that's great peter Great job. You, you answered correctly. But just a couple of verses later, when Jesus tells him that he has to sacrifice himself for our sins, Peter pulls him inside. And being the leader that he really is, you know, he wants to give Jesus a little bit of coaching and advice. <laughs> he pulls him aside and says, hey, hey Jesus, you, you know this um, plan about you dying and stuff? It's all good and everything, but it's not a great idea. We need you. You're our leader. You're the the guy who has to help us overthrow the Romans. And Jesus interrupts him just as he's talking and says, Get away from me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. Can you imagine how Peter felt? Peter being so committed to Christ, he must have been crushed. He must have been devastated. Well, you would think that Peter would learn his lesson by now. But no, one chapter later, at the transfiguration, he gets another correction, this time by God himself. Peter wanted to keep Moses, Elijah, and Jesus with them by building them a house. By doing that, he was placing the same level of importance on Moses as Elijah as Jesus. So as he's saying this, God interrupts him, and he, and he has to correct him to show that Christ was greater than Moses and Elijah. And he says, this is my son. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Okay, so if I got a tongue lashing from Jesus and then from God, I think I'd be pretty good at this point, right? Wouldn't you guys be good about this right now? Well, not so much with Peter. But the biggest failure that everybody knows about was when he denied Christ three times in front of Jesus. The account in Luke says that after he denied him the third time, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words that the Lord had told him earlier. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. You know what Peter did then? He went out and he wept bitterly. Peter wept bitterly because he denied Christ. And I believe that the pain that he suffered then when he realized that what he had just done was life-changing. He really understood it. I think that's when Peter truly repented and realized that the God of the universe had to come down and sacrifice himself for our sins so that we could have eternal life with God. His faith got really strong at that point. Well, you think that Jesus had so much work to do with Peter because of such a, the, the big uh, challenge that he had for Peter in front of him? Well, that was true, that he had a big plan for Peter. But it doesn't matter how big the task is. He wants to work through each one of us. As you grow in Christ and start to serve him, you're going to need that rock-solid faith that Jesus developed in Peter. The book of James gets straight to the point, and it tells us how God wants to live our lives. However, when we start to do that, when we start to live our lives to Christ and we start to serve him, Satan isn't really happy with that. He'll use our fleshly desires what we really truly want in our flesh, and he'll use it against us to make us ineffective for God. But God will also use these tests to develop you for your mission. I love the message version of what James 4, 7 through 10 tells us. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin, purify your inner life, quit playing the field, hit bottom, and cry your eyes out. The fun of games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Peter also tells us something very similar. In 1 Peter, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober minded, be alert, be in the moment, right? Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around you like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith. In both of these passages, Peter and James have two very similar messages. First, be in the moment. Be aware of what God, what's going on. Understand what God is, how God is trying to develop you. Understand some of the sin areas in your life that He's trying to change. And be aware that something's going on here. And I have to tell you, I'm going to take a little segue, but. You know, having small groups as an as a intro here today, I wasn't playing on my part, but that is probably one of the best places to be in the moment, to have other people tell you what's going on, and they can sometimes see it before we can even see it. So get yourself into a small group. It's the best way to grow. The second thing that you need to do is submit to God's will. You may not want to be in this trial or this test, and you may not agree that this scenario in your life is something that you should change or what he's changing you for is something that you want to do, but submit to his will. Trust his plan is perfect and submit to it. When it's all over, you look back and you'll see what was going on and your faith and ability will stand firm with, and your faith will exponentially grow. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish the work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking of anything. That brings us to my last point. No matter how bad you mess up, If you repent, Jesus is always there to provide forgiveness and restoration. Let's go back to the last scene where Peter denied Christ three times. Remember how Peter reacted? He wept bitterly. He was dejected by such a big failure. After all, after all those other failures and and repenting and trying trying to grow... He did it again. But Jesus is the God of restoration. First Peter says, one nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Well, the story ends well. So um, I love this story um, how Jesus restored Peter, because it is so Peter. So, Peter and the disciples are hanging around one night, and uh, Peter's getting a little antsy, getting bored. He says, I'm going to go fishing. So, he gets up and goes, and, and being the leader that he was, a couple of the disciples follow him, and they, they all go fishing. Well, fishing wasn't so good that night. Uh, they got frustrated, so uh, in the morning, they started to head in towards shore. And as, he- as they're heading in towards shore, Jesus shows up on shore, and, but they don't realize it is Jesus. And Jesus yells out to them, hey, guys, fishing not so good tonight, huh? And they're like, yeah, whatever. And so Jesus gives them some advice, and he tells them, throw the net over on the other side of the boat. And I could just imagine these professional fishermen saying, who is this dude? What does he know? Well, they do it. They throw the nets over the other side. And all of a sudden, they start pulling in the nets. And the boat almost capsizes because they got so much fish. And immediately Peter knows that the dude that's standing on the shore, that's Jesus. So what does Peter do? Mr. Impulsive pulls up his pants and jumps in the water and goes out and gets him. He doesn't even wait for the boat to show up on shore. Well, the other disciples bring the, bring the boat into shore. And uh, Jesus says, hey, let's have some breakfast. Bring some fish over and, and let's, uh, let's have a good fish fry. So uh, what does Mr. Impulsive do? He gets up. He runs over, grabs the net, and starts pulling the net over. And as he, and I can just imagine that, that he's, as he's pulling the net over, all of the net's uh, ripping. The fish are flopping all over the place. And, you know, that's just Mr. Impulsive, right? Go big or go home, right? So, well, they have breakfast, and uh, they basically, you know, have a good time talking with Jesus. And after everything calmed down, Jesus pulls Peter aside to, to, to check to see how solid Peter was. After asking him three times if Peter loved Jesus, Jesus then rewards him by giving him the responsibility of starting his church by telling him to feed his sheep. He even told him he would die a horrible death. But Peter was steadfast at this point. Remember, he wept and he repented, and he was steadfast. He was so steadfast that he was able to stand in front of thousands of his fellow Jews and chastise them for crucifying Jesus. And he told them they needed to repent. He was so solid that God was able to use him and and incredibly save over 3,000 people when he shared the gospel of Christ. Now, I don't know where you are with your walk with Christ at this point. I don't know if you're far away from him or you're really close to him. And I don't know if you even have a personal relationship with Jesus. But I want to tell you this, that if Jesus can restore and forgive a guy who denied him three times, he can provide you with that same forgiveness and restoration. Peter told the Jews on that day that they needed to repent from trying all of the religious things that they were doing to make themselves right with God and trust that Christ had already done that for them. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death. To keep its hold on him. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God had made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I want to ask you today do you want that restoration? Do you want a relationship with the God of heaven and earth? It's real easy. Just give up. Stop trying to earn your way to God. Stop trying to be saved. Christ has already done it, He's already paid the penalty for our sins. There's nothing that we have to do to earn our way to God. We all try it. I tried it, I tried everything when I was a kid from sports to trying, having a good career to being a good father and a, and a husband. But none of that could get me to a personal relationship with Christ. I had to realize that the God of heaven and earth came down from heaven, was crucified on a cross for our sins, for my sins, for your sins, And the only thing that we have to do is to personally accept that, is to give up and allow him to be our Savior. So I want to implore you today, if you haven't made that decision to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you to do that. Take this moment before this opportunity goes away. Accept Christ as your personal Savior. And if you are far away from Christ at this point right now, he wants to bring you back. He wants to restore you. You're not too far away. Come back to him now, and he will forgive you and restore you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to stand up here and and bring your word. Lord, I just pray for someone who is far away from you at this point right now, who has known you, most of their life and and desires to be back, but doesn't know how. Lord, ask them to just turn around and look at you, God, so that you can restore them and you can forgive them. And, Lord, I just ask for those people who may not know you as their personal Savior, that, God, I would ask you that you would open their eyes, that, Jesus, you would desire them to be part of our family that you would come down and and open their hearts so that they would give their life to you, Lord. And they will realize that there's no no way that we can earn our faith, but only you have done it. God, be big in this room today. Be big as people walk through and, and leave today. Help them remember that you are the God of heaven, that you love them, and you gave your life for them. I ask this in your blessed name, amen.